So again, welcome to South Park Church. Uh, whether you're here in person or watching online or listening to our podcast, just glad you're kicking off the Thanksgiving week with us here today. I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson, just glad to spend some time with you. Before we dive into the message, just want to share some, some good news. Many of you might know Pastor Nancy, uh, who served our church for many years, just retired this July, uh, and her husband Bill. Uh, they just became grandparents, and I wanted to show you a picture of their grandson, uh, Coulter James Young. Uh, he weighed 7 pounds, 7 ounces when he was born, 21 inches long, and so uh, Pastor Nancy and Bill are super excited. Bill, just this month, also fully retired, so they're both retired now and have all this time to spend uh, taking care and spoiling their grandson. So we just want to share that good news with you, uh, and Pastor Nancy, Bill, if you're watching, we love you, uh, and congratulations. Uh, so we're moving into Thanksgiving, and that's the way we're going to wrap up this message series that we've called Purpose we get to do this. We know that God has many purposes for us, plans for us in our lives on a grand scale and also just everyday uh, decisions that we make in life. Uh, and then we've talked a lot about how we get to do things for God. And what we get to do today for God is to celebrate and give God thanks for many blessings that we have in our lives. And what a great country we live in that, you know, once a year we set aside an official time to give thanks. And it reminds us that throughout the year we're supposed to be giving thanks. And so we're going to spend a lot of time doing that today. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was dropping my two boys off at school. I get to take them to school in the mornings, and that's a lot of fun having that time with them. Uh, and, and this particular day, I was excited because I told them as I was dropping them off, I'm like, hey, guys, when you get home, I've got a surprise for you, and it's going to be great. And just, you know, give them something to look forward to because I don't know about your children or grandchildren, but sometimes it's hard to motivate my kids to be ready to go to school in the morning. And so this was an exciting time to do that. And, and the surprise was we're going to go out as a family to one of the boys' favorite restaurants that we hadn't been to in a while. And so when they got home, they ran to find me. And I told them what the surprise was. And one of, the, one of my boys said, that's awesome, Dad. I can't wait. We hadn't been there in a while. Looking forward to do that. Uh, and then the other son of mine said, well, that wasn't really quite the surprise that I'd hoped it would be, Dad. <laughs> Not quite the reaction that I was looking for. So either I've set the bar for surprises a little bit too high, uh, or we're taking some things for granted in my household that we really need to revisit and look into. So... Uh, I said, you don't have to go if you don't want to. Of course, he wanted to go, so we all went and had a good time. Thanksgiving is, a, is upon us. Uh, for some of us, it's hard to believe. Like, wow, how did that happen? Even though it's like the latest time it can happen in the, in the year, I think, on the calendar. Uh, but it's here. And I'm just wondering, you know, or what, are you, what are your thoughts and feelings about that? Is this something that you're excited about, you look forward to? I was talking to somebody in the lobby this morning. It's like, man, this is my favorite holiday. Right? You get to eat. You get to drop in, see people. You don't have to buy any presents. It's great. It's just a great holiday. And, and others I know are stressed out about it. We have to see family that sometimes drive us crazy or put us in awkward situations or go a long distance. And, and sometimes we feel thankful in our lives, and we look forward to celebrating that. And sometimes we just don't feel good. It doesn't, you know, things aren't going well in our life and we don't really feel like giving thanks. And so we're probably at different points in our lives right now coming into this important week in the life of our country. Uh, I was reading some basketball scores a couple of days ago and I, I saw something that I probably have never seen before. Uh, two teams that I'd never heard of. One is Merrimack College uh, played Leslie University. Did y'all see that score? Uh, Merrimack College beat uh, Leslie University 110 to 16. Yeah, 110 to 16. So you get about two points, three points for a basket. 110 to 16. Which one of those teams is going to have a good Thanksgiving this week, do you think? 
And who's going to be running laps the whole time uh, trying to shoot some baskets? And I think in our lives, sometimes we feel like Merrimack College. Like life is, go- life is good. Things are going well. We've had a great year. We've had a great week. We're so glad it's Thanksgiving. We're, we're glad to give God thanks and praise today. And sometimes, maybe right now, some of us feel like Leslie University. We just got our rear ends kicked and handed to us, and we're the ones that scored 16, and the other team scored 110. This year's been a bad year, or this week's a a bad week. Things aren't going our way, and we're not excited about Thanksgiving. It makes us just want to vomit, really, honestly, if we're we're serious and, and, and honest about that. So how are we... How are you? How am I? How are we going to celebrate this week? Where are we? Are we on the 110 side? Are we on the 16 side? Are we somewhere in the middle? Well, the good news is we've got the Bible. We've got God. And and God has good news for all of us wherever we are in this picture. And so we're going to dive in today in the New Testament. We're going to look uh, again at Paul. We've been dealing with Paul for the past several weeks. It's hard not to deal with Paul because he wrote most of the New Testament. Uh, He is a church planter, or he was in the first century in the Mediterranean area of the world. And he started a lot of churches, and when he was not with the churches, he would write them letters. Most of those letters have been collected, and they've been put into the New Testament, and so that makes up most of our New Testament in the Bible. And so today, Paul is writing to a church that he started. It's a young church, new church. Uh, It's in northern Greece in the first century in a city called Thessalonica, and Paul's writing to the Thessalonians. And this is a neat letter because it's the first letter that we have, the oldest letter that Paul's written that we have in the New Testament. So we get a kind of a glimpse into some of his early thinking as a, as a pastor. Uh, and he's trying to encourage the church members in Thessalonica because they're going through some difficult times. Greece, Thessalonica was all part of the Roman Empire. And the Roman emperor, whoever the Roman emperor happened to be, could make life easy on people or make life hard on people. And And the particular Roman emperor at that time had a huge ego, major ego problem, and he liked for other people in the empire to worship him as if he were God, to say that the emperor is Lord and and to pray to him even though he was just a regular human being. And so there were some local government officials in Thessalonica that wanted to be in the emperor's good graces, and so they were sure to enforce that everybody needs to be worshiping and bowing down to the emperor, confessing that he is Lord. Now... You might imagine that presented a problem for the Christians in the Thessalonian church because they believe rightly that Jesus is Lord. And so when they would say Jesus is Lord, that was pretty much treasonous and that could get them into a lot of trouble. Uh, They could be socially ostracized. They could be arrested. They could be beaten up. They could be even killed for saying that Jesus is Lord rather than saying the emperor is Lord. So they're going through some challenging times. So Paul's writing to them and he's trying to encourage them. Right, so if you're going through challenging times right now, right, Paul's writing to all of us to try to encourage us. Now, on top of that, the Thessalonian Christians also were pretty much taking Jesus at his word when he ascended into heaven saying that you know, he's coming back soon. They thought soon meant like soon in human terms, not in God terms. Uh, and so they were frustrated that Jesus had not come back uh, to defeat evil forever and, and bring the full kingdom of God into the picture and all that kind of stuff. So they're frustrated that Jesus has not come back and they're having to deal with all this oppression from the Roman government. And so that's where we pick up the story. So Paul's written them this letter. It's near the end of the letter. And this is, this is, these are the verses that he chooses to say to the Thessalonians. Check this out. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. 
For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, if we just read that scripture out of context, or we saw it on a bumper sticker, or you saw it on a meme online somewhere, you're like, That's, those are some cool verses, I like that. But, you know, honestly, when we look at that and we think about what the Thessalonians are going through, is Paul crazy? What, what's he? Rejoice always. We might go to jail or be killed because of our faith. Right? Pray continually. Yeah, we can do that. We're doing that, Paul. That's covered. Give thanks in all circumstances. How in the world are we supposed to give thanks when we could be arrested, we could be killed for our faith? Right? Jesus hasn't come back. These verses probably on the surface wouldn't make a lot of sense to the Thessalonians, and they probably wouldn't be interpreted as being comforting in, in the way that Paul was trying to comfort the Thessalonians. So you know, maybe a question we have is, well, who was this Paul? Right? Was he in his right mind? Was, was he trying to help people? Because these words, they don't sound very helpful. Is he clueless? Does he not know what's going on? He's obviously not in Thessalonica. He was actually in Corinth, another city in Greece. It must be a lot nicer where he is. Right? Who is this guy? He must be living some kind of a fancy, special, rose-colored glasses kind of a life. Right? Doesn't he know the pain that his brothers and sisters in Christ are going through? Who is this guy? Right? Probably not someone who is in prison or who could be beaten or could be killed for their faith because these words certainly wouldn't be comforted you know, to someone in those circumstances. Who is this? Paul. Probably not somebody who is getting bullied at school. Probably not somebody who's in over his head in debt, having to worry that he might lose everything that he has. This guy's probably not somebody who's battling an addiction that they just can't seem to, to beat, whether that's drugs or alcohol or pornography. This Paul guy, he probably hasn't gotten a, a, a diagnosis that's negative or, or you know, even dangerous from a physical standpoint. This is not a guy who probably just got dumped by the love of his life. This is probably not a guy who got news from the doctor saying, you'll never be able to have children. This is not a guy who, who is looking, not looking forward to Thanksgiving because he's going to be lonely by himself. Right? Who is this Paul guy? How can he say these words to these people in these tough circumstances? Who is Paul? Well, he's a pastor. He's a church planner. Uh, he had a lot of great things going for him. He had a direct encounter with Jesus that changed his whole life. He started all of these churches, and, and he's, he saw thousands of people come to faith in Jesus because of God using him to reach them. He, he wrote these letters that, that encouraged people and, and made it into the Bible, right? Paul had a lot of good things going on. But Paul also understood difficult circumstances and hard times. Just as hard as the Thessalonians and probably even harder than what the Thessalonians were going through. People would follow Paul around when he was preaching and they'd give him a hard time. And he would, he would get beaten up sometimes and there, he would face mob violence where they just you know, beat him within an inch of his life. He was falsely imprisoned a lot of times because he had faith in Jesus and he had church members who were unfaithful to him and who were betraying him and, and doing things against him, trying to undermine his authority when, when he was out of town. Uh, on top of that, he had a physical ailment. We don't know what it was. We think it might have been something with his vision. And he was always you know, praying, Lord, can you heal me of this and can you take this from me? But it, it continued to, to stay with him throughout his life. Uh, he was shipwrecked in the name of God. He was bitten by snakes. Uh, he was even ultimately killed for his faith. And so Paul does understand the Thessalonians. He understands 
good times and celebrates those. He understands going through difficult times. And he knows what it's like to be in a tough situation, especially as a follower of Jesus. So if, if he knows what it's like to be in good circumstances, to be in bad circumstances, how can he write these words to the Thessalonians when there are bad circumstances? Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. How can Paul write those words? And, and we in the 21st century hear those, and they probably don't sound very comforting if we're going through a difficult time, right? If we're the Merrimax of the world and we're on top of the world, then they sound great. But if we're the Leslie University and we got trounced 110 to 16, not so much. So what are we supposed to make out of these words that Paul sees as encouraging, but to those of us who are going through difficult times, they sound not encouraging at all. Let's look at them one more time. Rejoice always. To rejoice means to, to feel the emotion of joy or to express, to show the emotion of joy. And I think Paul understands that our emotions uh, are not just a, like a light switch, like, hey, I want to feel joy right now, I'm going to turn it on, or hey, I don't want to feel joy right now, I'm going to turn it off. Right? Paul understands you can't control your emotions. We can't control our emotions. And sometimes we don't feel joyful. Right? Sometimes we do. The world is, is awesome. We love it, and we want to celebrate that, absolutely. But sometimes we're in a bad spot. Right? Life stinks, and, and we're mad about something. We're sad about something. We're scared about something. And Paul understands there's a time for that. And we need to feel those feelings and go through those emotions and not rush them. So that's not what Paul's saying. I think what Paul's saying is that, yes, joy and rejoicing can be tied to an emotion, but it can also be something that we, we do. It's, a, it's an action. It's a choice. Right? This situation stinks. I don't feel good about it, but I'm going to give God praise anyway. I'm going to give thanks to God. I'm, I'm going to find something in my life that is good, and I'm going to be joyful about that. Right? This circumstance is not joy-filled, but this circumstance in my life probably is. I read a great definition for rejoice uh, as doing some of the, the studying for this message today. I want to share with you. I got this from a, a biblical commentary. It says this, Rejoice means to see the hand of God in whatever is happening and to remain certain of God's future salvation. Right? I can rejoice even in a difficult circumstance because I'm looking for God in my life. And if I look hard enough, I'm going to see that God is with me. I'm not alone. And that God is going to bring something good into my life. Right? So this circumstance might stink, but I can still look and I'm going to find God somewhere. Right? And we can trust that ultimately God's going to bring salvation into our lives. That we will experience life to the full on this earth. And we will live forever in the kingdom of God when Jesus returns or when we die and go to be with God because of Jesus' sacrifice for us on the cross when we confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, just like those, those eight people just did a minute ago in, in saying Jesus is Lord and Savior. Right? So we can rejoice even when we don't feel like rejoicing. So then he says pray continually. Now this is probably something we can all agree on. Uh, if we're in a bad situation, that's usually one of the first things that we do when we're followers of God is say, hey, God, this is, this is not good. I'm in trouble here. I need some help. And so we want to talk to God. We want to listen to God, right? So when we're in a difficult circumstance, pray continually makes a lot of sense. Now, when we're in great circumstances, when we're feeling joy, when things are going well in our home life, our family life, at school or at work, our social lives, our sports lives, our, our artistic lives, whatever, when things are going well, 
That's usually sometimes when we forget to give thanks to God. We forget to talk to God, right? When things are going well, it's like, oh, yeah, wait, I need to stop and, and say thanks to God. And hopefully we're doing that. But usually in my life, when things are going well, sometimes that's when I forget to talk to God. When things are not going well, that's when I'm at God's doorstep. So I think Paul's saying, in whatever circumstance we find ourselves, prayer is a good thing. We can talk to God, listen to God, because it reminds us that we're not alone. We're not alone when good things are happening, and we can celebrate and say, God, I want to share this with you. You're making this possible. Thank you. We're not alone when things are going bad or going wrong. We say, God, I'm really glad that you're with me, that I'm not alone. And that in and of itself is a reason to rejoice. Rejoice always, pray continually, because it reminds us we're not alone, that God is with us and moving us forward into something better. And then comes the challenging, real challenging verse for me, pray, um, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. Someone I love just died. I just got this bad diagnosis. I'm going to lose my house because I'm in over my head in debt. Right? Someone's bullying my child. Right? Someone could take me to prison uh, because of my faith. Right? All of these things that we've been talking about, give thanks in all circumstances, that, that just doesn't sound right unless you're some kind of a masochist and you love to inflict pain upon yourself. And I don't think that's who Paul was. So what does he mean? I think the focus here is we've got to be careful and look at the preposition here. It's a little English lesson. Give thanks in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. I don't think Paul's saying, hey, God, thanks for letting me be bitten by a snake. That's lovely. I just thank you very much for that. Thanks, God, for shipwrecking me. You know, I almost drowned. Uh, thanks a lot. I'm just trying to do your work. Thanks for letting that happen to me. Thanks, God, for putting me in prison when I don't need to be here. Thanks, God, uh, for giving me uh, a terminal illness. Thanks, God, for letting my, my girlfriend dump me. Thanks, God, that I'm going to lose my home, right? Thanks, God, that I, I can't have children on my own biologically. Right? I don't think at all that's what God is saying. That's not what Paul is saying. He says not to give thanks for all circumstances, but in all circumstances. God, this situation is great, and I'm so glad you're here. It's awesome. I give you thanks. God, this situation stinks. I hate it. I don't want to be here. But you're with me, and because of that, I can give thanks. You see the difference in verses 4. Give thanks in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. I want to read another verse that Paul wrote. This time, just a different letter to a different church. This is the church in Rome, the Christian church in Rome, which is in Italy. It was the head of the, the Roman Empire. And Paul's writing to the Romans. And, and this is what he says. It's kind of like a one-two punch from what we just said within all circumstances. He says this in Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We know that in all things, good or bad, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And so if we love God... God is with us. God is working in every circumstance to bring good into our lives. Now, that makes sense when things are going well, when we're the Merrimax and we're rolling through somebody, right, or through, the, through life. It doesn't make sense, maybe, when things are not going well. And this is what, this is what I think Paul means, right, that God's working for good in our bad circumstances. That doesn't mean that God calls those bad circumstances. I don't think God causes people to get cancer. I don't think God causes people to get their hearts broken. I don't think God causes hurricanes to trounce people. Right? I think when bad things happen to us or we, or we 
we bring bad circumstances upon ourselves or other people do it or something just bad happens and there's no one at fault for that. God doesn't cause those circumstances, but he's with us in the midst of that. Right? One of the names of, of Jesus is Emmanuel, right? God with us. So in any circumstance, God is with us and he's working to bring good back into our lives. Just God being in our presence is good news in itself that we should celebrate. But God doesn't stop there. He's working to bring good back into our lives. Right? Paul was in tough circumstances. Right? He was in prison and all that stuff that I said. And yet he still found joy because God sent people into his life, brothers and sisters in Christ. People converted through Paul's ministry. Right? Thousands of people came to faith in, in Paul's lifetime, billions later, right? So God used difficult circumstances to bless Paul and to bless people around him. And so when we're in difficult circumstances, it might not be immediately apparent where God is, but if we stop and we pray continually and we open our eyes, we're going to see, first of all, God's with us. We're not by ourselves. Again, that's good news in and of itself, but that God's working in our bad circumstances and it's going to become better. God will bring good into our lives. Now, for me, this does a couple of things. One, it helps me see my disappointments in the way that they truly are. They could be terrible. They could be awful. They could be horrendous. And we need to name that and, and, and call them that, but they're not the end. They're not the end of the story. God is with me. God's going to push me through these circumstances, and I'm going to come out, and there's going to be something good for me on the other side. Right? God is working in our lives to bring good through all circumstances, all circumstances. We might not see it now, but God is with us, and God is pushing forward to do that. Now, another thing that it tells me, and I hope it speaks to you, is that experiencing hardship does not mean that we've lost God's favor. Hear that again. Experiencing hardship does not mean that we've lost God's favor. A lot of times when bad things happen to us, we think, wow, God must not care about me, or God's after me, or God's got it in for me. Absolutely not. That's not the case. Right? In fact, usually, right, when we're doing the right thing and we're following God, we're going to encounter hardship because we live in a broken world that resists goodness. Right? And so followers of Jesus... We've got to expect we're going to go through hard times too. We're going to go through challenging circumstances because we live in a broken world that Jesus is in the midst of transforming. And we get to be a part of that. We get to do that. So if you're facing hardship right now, it doesn't mean God's against you. In fact, the opposite. God is with you and will see you through this. Right? So we get to give thanks to God in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. It's, it's powerful stuff when we break it down and look at that. So then finally it says, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God wants you to do these three things, right? It, it's what God wants you to do. And so the question might be, well, so what, Pastor Kyle? So what's Paul's main point? What's the point of the day? What should I walk away with today as I'm going into Thanksgiving, whether I'm feeling great or whether I'm feeling terrible, right? What's the takeaway? What, what does this mean for me in my life? I, I think it's this, is that thanksgiving transcends circumstance. Thanksgiving transcends circumstance. We can be thankful no matter what the circumstance is. Thanksgiving goes beyond the circumstance. It's easy to give thanks when things are going well, and we should, and we should enjoy that. We get to give God thanks when things are awesome. But by the same token, we also get to give thanks to God when things are terrible 
Not because things are terrible, but because God is with us and that the terrible things are not the end of our story, that God's going to push us through and that great things wait for us through the other side, right? So we get to give God thanks in all circumstances because Thanksgiving transcends circumstance. So for all of us, that says that Thanksgiving this week can be a great holiday when we walk with Christ and we trust that Thanksgiving transcends circumstance. Now think about Jesus. Right? Jesus is fully God. He's in heaven. He decides to, to come on the earth because the earth's in trouble, because while we're created in God's image and that's good, we also have the freedom to choose. Sometimes we choose unwisely and we, we hurt ourselves. We, we break relationships with God and each other. And so we know what it's like to feel brokenness. We know what it's like to feel guilty and ashamed and and we're going to die one day. We know what it's like to be in broken relationships, which really is what the word hell's about. We're estranged from God. We're estranged from each other. And you don't have to die to experience hell. You can have hell on earth for sure. Jesus said, that's not the way I planned it. All right? I want people to live life to the full. I want people to be in relationship with me and each other. And I want them to live forever in the kingdom of God. And so Jesus came to the earth as, as a person while remaining God. And that's kind of hard to imagine. But just hang with me here. You know, Fully God, fully human. He taught, he preached, he performed miracles. And, 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 and what happened to him? He was betrayed, he was arrested, thrown into jail for something he didn't do. He was tortured, and then he was killed. He was executed in a heinous way. They nailed him to a cross until he suffocated to death. Bad stuff, terrible stuff, the worst stuff. But it wasn't the end. God raised him back to life. And because of that, now you and I can be forgiven of our wrongdoing when we profess faith in Jesus and we ask for forgiveness, right? Our guilt and shame that we carry around like bad luggage, right? God can take that from us and give us joy and peace. We can live life to the full as long as we have breath in these bodies and live on this earth and we can live forever in the kingdom of God when we receive Jesus as Savior. So God took something terrible, right? The worst thing ever, the death of his own child. Can you imagine anything worse than that? The death of your own child. God took the death of his own child and he brought incredible goodness from it. If God can bring good from the death of his own child, imagine what God can do for you in your life. Thanksgiving transcends circumstance. Last Sunday, I shared with you in the message that earlier this month, my Aunt Mary passed away and my father and I had the privilege of leading her memorial service. Uh, and, and I talked about, there was many mixed emotions in that service, uh, a lot of sadness, also a lot of joy. She's a follower of Christ. We believe she's in heaven with God, and we will see her again. And So anyway, we're coming into Thanksgiving, and all those emotions are still pretty raw and fresh, and, and they're going to be amplified this week because um, my dad is one of nine children, grew up on a tobacco farm in Alamance County in North Carolina, and so it's a big family. There's a big bunch of Thompsons. I've got hundreds of cousins. I don't even know them all. Uh, and so every Thanksgiving, uh, since I've been an adult, basically, my Aunt Mary and her husband, my Uncle Larry, who's still alive, doing well, uh, they would host as many Thompsons as they could at their house for Thanksgiving. Right? So when I think of Thanksgiving, it's my Aunt Mary and my Uncle Larry. We go to their house. The only Thanksgiving my children have known on the Thompson side are Aunt Mary, Uncle Larry. We go to their house. So obviously this, this year is going to be different because Aunt Mary just died. And Uncle Larry, understandably, doesn't feel up to hosting Thanksgiving. Just too much going on, too many emotions. And so the family's kind of been, you know, what, you know what's the deal? What's going to happen? How are we going to spend our Thanksgiving? Uh, this could be a real bummer of a Thanksgiving. 
And so uh, my Aunt Alice, my father's only remaining sister, lives right down the street from where my Aunt Mary lived, uh, has graciously offered to host Thanksgiving. So we're going there on Thursday for lunch. Uh, so all my family's going, my dad, all of us, my brother, and my, my nieces and nephews, and all that kind of stuff. Some of the other Thompson siblings and their kids. And then my Aunt Mary, uh, her husband Larry's going to be there, my Uncle Larry, uh, their children and grandchildren. And so, you know, it's going to be another day of mixed emotions. And I know there's going to be some joy, there's going to be some sadness, it's going to be weird. Uh, and so, you know, as I was getting ready for this message, I'm like, you know, how seriously do I take Paul's words? in my own life because I've got a lot of great things happening in my life right now and there are a lot of things that aren't great that are happening in my life right now. And so, you know, this, I'll just maybe if you can peek into my life for a minute, this is kind of where I am in that. So I'll look at what Paul says. It says, rejoice always. I'm going to be with my cousins, my aunts and uncles, my parents, my kids, my brother and his kids. And, and there's going to be a lot of joy. There's a lot of laughter. There's going to be a lot of fun and seeing each other. And we're going to be full of joy. But there's also going to be sadness. There's going to be a big hole missing my aunt and we're at a different place. And so it's going to stir up some emotions and we're also going to be sad in the midst of that. Uh, so we're going to feel joy or we're not going to feel joy. And at the same time, I think we're going to choose to rejoice, to give God thanks and to look for God's hand in our lives and to say, you know what, Aunt Mary's not here and that's sad, but that means we had a great relationship. We had something worth missing and we believe she's in heaven. We'll see her again. And so even though we feel sad, we can also feel joy at the same moment, right? So rejoice always. Pray continually. I'm already praying about this. I've been praying about this for my family and for myself and, and going into Thanksgiving. Like, God, this is a weird time, so we need you to be with us more than ever. We thank you for the, the, the chance to be together, and we thank you for being with us and just help us navigate this. So there's a lot of prayer going on. And then to give thanks in all circumstances. I'm not thankful my Aunt Mary's dead. I miss her. I'm not thankful that we've shifted Thanksgiving because we can't host it where we always have. I'm going to miss her. I'm not thankful that my cousins are, are going to be sad, right? I'm not thankful for that kind of stuff. But I am thankful that we'll be together and that Christ will be with us. And we have many memories of my Aunt Mary, that she is no longer suffering from cancer, that she's with God in heaven, that we will see her again because we follow Jesus and she followed Jesus. And so we're not grateful for all the circumstances. We're grateful for some of the circumstances, but we will give thanks. On Thanksgiving Day, because I think that's God's will for us is Christ Jesus in our lives. And so if God can bring goodness out of the death of his son, if God can bring goodness out of the death of my aunt, then I think God can bring goodness into your Thanksgiving. And so I would just ask you today, where are you? How do you feel coming into this week? Is it, is it exciting? Right? Are you on the Merrimack side and you're scoring 110 points? Uh, are you on the other side, right? The Leslie University, you're down to 16 and you feel like you're not even going to get 10 the next game, right? We're, wherever we are, we get to give thanks to God this week for the good things that we have, for the, the knowledge that he's with us in the difficult times and, and in the difficult times knowing that this is not the end, that there's something better for us waiting just around the corner, right? So wherever we are in our faith life, we can give thanks to God in all circumstances because of what Jesus has done for us. Right? And so Thanksgiving transcends circumstance. Thanksgiving transcends circumstance. We get to do this for God. We get to give God thanks and praise. Let's pray about that together.